know, I believe we made that announcement last uh, October, I mean October, December 24th on Christmas Eve. And um, not knowing that three weeks later, four weeks later, that Bishop would go see the Lord. And so I knew that we had made this commitment and together we did. And so I'm so thankful that we still have the opportunity to be able to pour into another generation because that's the heartbeat. It's one generation to another. I've made it a, um, before, I just want to share this. Um, I have a goal before the end of the year to read every Psalm. And I was reading yesterday this Psalm and I just thought about it this morning. And I thought about it as I introduce Pastor Songo to be able to speak to us today. You know, this house, some of you that might be new here, we believe that God raises up people. We believe that this house has always been built on raising up people. You might not see the same person on the platform all the time. And it's not because it, there's just one pastor. We, we do it together. I'm the lead pastor, but you might see somebody different on the platform. We get together. We believe God, the series now is being thankful. We're getting ready to go into a new series at Christmas, unwrapping the names of Jesus unwrapping the names of Jesus. I'm so excited about that. But today, Pastor Songo is going to be speaking. Um, he, he and his beautiful wife, Shade, they head our student ministries. And it's so wonderful to be able to have him on the platform. But before I do, I wanted to read this psalm. And it's, it's in uh, Psalm 145. If I can ever encourage you to do something before the end of the year, read the psalms. Read the psalms. Make it a small goal. But read the Psalms. In 145.2, it says, Every day I will bless thee. I will praise thy name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and highly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. And I read all this, and I'm going to read a little bit more. One generation shall praise the works to another. One generation, that's who we are. God, one generation will praise the works to another. They shall declare the mighty acts on the glorious splendor of his majesty. And all the wonderful works we will meditate. And men shall speak of the power of his awesome acts. And men shall speak. I believe today that Pastor Songo is that man that's going to speak. And he will tell of the greatness of our God. And they, and they shall eagerly utter the abundant of his goodness and shall shout joyfully in his righteousness. And I just wanted today, Pastor Songo, probably he was one of those kids that was raised in this house, probably jumped those pews when he was a little kid playing hide and seek, running from who knows he was running from, the ushers. That we're going to grab him by the nap of the neck. I don't know where you are, but I wish you'd come on out here. As I feel like I'm talking to a secret. <laughs> like he really is there. It's a person. And um, so it's my honor today because I bet years ago when you were jumping the pews and playing hide and seek. And God only knows where you were in the rafters. You know, I'm, I just discern that there was rafters in your past. I'm not sure. Yeah, that's what I thought. And so it's my honor today that he is a son of this house. He was raised in this church. He jumped those pews that you're probably sitting on. 
And he probably never thought, wow, I'm going to break the word on this particular day, on this particular Sunday, at this particular time. And I just wanted to tell you this morning that we are proud and we're thankful that a son of this house from generation to generation will declare will declare the mighty acts of the Lord. You see, those Kingsgate students, they're in one generation. They'll be able to declare. They're going to move on and declare the mighty acts of the Lord. We will give thanks for what God has done. We'll be thankful because it might be your children and your grandchildren that stand on this platform and be able to declare the mighty acts of the Lord. So today, as a son of this house, a pastor of this church, I just want to welcome Pastor Songo Adoki to the house. Love you. Thank you, guys. Um, you know, this morning I was really, I was already thinking about Bishop um, because that song, You Hold It All Together, was one of the first songs we sang that Sunday after he passed away. And I was just all in my feelings, you know, just, man, I was just thinking about everything. And so congratulations to those scholarship winners, um, by the way. But whenever they were just talking about Bishop, I was just, I, just, I got emotional back there just because I wouldn't be here without him. I was on a path to hell. I was going in the complete opposite direction. And for some reason, he saw something in me. And he invited me on a journey, and that journey changed my life. And so ever since he passed away, um, Pastor Kathy has been leading the church by herself. And it's already difficult to lead a church. It's even more difficult to lead a church through a pandemic. And it's even harder to lead a church through a pandemic when you lose your best friend and lover of over 40 years but she's been doing it day in and day out, leading this church, leading her family. So I just wanna stop and give some honor to Pastor Kathy for who she is and what she's been doing. Thank you. Thank you. We wouldn't be here without her. So um, as she said, we're starting a new series where we're staying in our story of thankfulness and um, I don't know if you heard her message a couple weeks ago, but it, just like Pastor Ashley said, it was an amazing message and one of those ones that you just remember, right? And so we're going to stay in our story of thankfulness and um, I'm going to go to 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 Thessalonians 5. Y'all doing okay today? Everybody good? And so 1 Thessalonians 5, I just want to give a little bit of context about this. 1 Thessalonians is a, is a, a book that... Paul wrote while he was in Corinth. And so he actually, he wrote the letter to the Thessalonians. But basically what happened was he sent his, his son in the faith, Timothy, to go check on them. It's a church that he started. He sent his son in the faith to go check on them because he heard that they may not, might not be doing well. And the reason they weren't doing well is because Thessalonica was the capital city of Macedonia. And so there's a lot of people there and they started a church there, but they were getting persecuted. People were dying left and right. And people were wondering, why am I even a Christian? Because I don't know what happens when I die. 
I don't, I don't understand why I'm even doing this. Like, what is the purpose of being a Christian if I'm just going to get persecuted? And so he sent Timothy there to check on them, and Timothy bring back that report. And that's why the, that whole book is so much about what happens when you die, what happens in the end times, eschatology, right? He's, he's trying to reassure them it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And so in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, this is what he tells them. Rejoice always, even though you are getting persecuted, even though your friends are dying, even though church members are no longer there. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, in all circumstances, in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So the title of today's message is, Thanks for nothing. Thanks for nothing. Turn to your neighbor and just tell them thanks for nothing. And then turn to the one that you didn't want to talk to and say thanks for nothing. Thanks for nothing. Let's pray. God, I just thank you so much for the opportunity to bring your word today on your platform. I pray, Lord, that you'll use me. I pray that you'll speak through me. Use me as an oracle, God. I pray, Father, that the word will be deposited in good soil. I pray that you'll open up spiritual ears to hear what it is that you have for them. I pray that you'll do your will today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So I'm going to describe two different fast food restaurants. And I don't want you to say the name because we, we, I think, I'm pretty sure we have some people in this building who work for some of these restaurants. So I don't want you to shout out the name. I just want you to think of them, okay? There's two fast food restaurants. The first one is one I really like to go to. I go there probably every week at least once. And this is, it's, it's a great restaurant. As soon as you get on the campus, you just feel like you're like treated like a royalty, right? You go there. It's the only fast food restaurant that I know of that you don't even have to go through the drive-thru. They come to you. And they come to you with a smile. And they say, how may I serve you? And so they, you know, they get your name, what's your name, they put your name in there, and they're just so nice, they're so pleasant. I say, I want a chicken sandwich. They're like, sure, would you like some sauce with that? They don't act like the sauce comes out their paycheck. They just, they just like, hey, you can have four, you want, you want another sauce? Go ahead, take another sauce. I mean, it's just, it's such a great experience. And then I drive up to the drive-thru window, and they're just so nice, and they give me everything. The food is always right. And I say, thank you. And what do they say? My pleasure. My pleasure. And then we take the food home. I, I've only, I can only remember one time where the food was actually wrong. And I remember I got it. I was like, you know what? This must be what God wants me to have because they never get it wrong. You know, like it's just like they never get it wrong. I was okay with it. I was like, okay, I'll eat this. It's fine. But then there's this other restaurant. And I'm not going to say this name either. They also have a chicken sandwich. And their chicken sandwich actually rivals, I, I would actually say it's better than this other place. It's actually better if you can actually get it. And so what happens is I go to this restaurant. Man, hey, don't, don't, say, don't say the name. Don't say the name. I go there and um, go to the drive-thru. I always wait at least two minutes before anybody says anything. And then how can, how can I have, help you? And I say, uh, I'll just take the chicken sandwich. Uh, we ain't got it. Okay. 
you don't have the chicken sandwich you've been, you know, talking about all over the commercials, all over the radio, whatever. That's fine. That's fine. I'll get something else. Uh, just give me a number two. Anything else? Well, yeah, I, I need to give my drink. So I'll, I'll go ahead and get a uh, Sprite. Anything else? If you would let me finish, I will tell you when I'm done. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll get a, just, you know, some sauce, whatever it is. And so I'll go to the drive-thru window and I feel like I'm interrupting the conversation that's happening. Like, I'm sorry for interrupting you. Like, I'm, I'm just, I just need to get my food. Like, I'll, I'll take my food, I'll pay for it. And I know I'm not gonna get what I ordered. I know I'm not. So I'm just gonna, I'm hoping I'm gonna like what I, what I got because I know the order is gonna be wrong. It's gonna taste good, but it's not gonna be what I ordered. And I always got this feeling inside of me like, man, I don't say it because I'm a Christian and I ain't gonna say it, but I always say, man, thanks for nothing. Thanks for nothing. There's a lot of different definitions of thankfulness. And if we go to the original Hebrew definition of thankfulness, it really means thanking God just for being God. This is one of the definitions, thanking God just for being God. And so before we go any further, before I even go into this message, I want to thank God for being God. Thank God for being our Lord. Thank God for being our Savior. Thank God for being our Creator. Thank God for being our Father, for our Judge. Come on, help me out. Thank God for being our peace, for our joy, for being our Alpha, for being our Omega. Thank God just simply for being God. You don't have to do anything else for me. Thank God for being God. Thank God for being God. And so there's a lot of different definitions of thankfulness, and that's one of them. But another one is really thanking God for something. And so it's not simply a thank you, it's thank you for this. And so that's why some of the Psalms, like Pastor Kathy read this morning, some of the Psalms, a lot of the Psalms will say, thank you, God, for being my fortress. Thank you, God, for being my protector, for being my savior. It's always thank you, God, for something. And I used to, uh, as you said, I grew up in this church and I used to make fun of the, the elders in this church. And um, <laughs> because I, I just thought they were like super spiritual for no reason, you know. And so people would ask them, you know, what, how they're doing. They're like, blessed and highly favored. And, you know, or they'll, this was my favorite one. How are you doing? I just thank God. And I used to think like, that's not an answer. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> But I realize now that they understood something that I didn't. And that's this, when you have an attitude of gratitude, you attract the favor of God on your life. When you have an attitude of gratitude, you attract the favor of God on your life. When you have an attitude of gratitude, it's, it doesn't matter what happens, it's almost like a force field towards the enemy. He can throw anything he wants at me, I'm gonna be thankful. He can't stop me from being thankful. As, as long as I, I live, as long as I have breath, I'm going to thank God. You can't stop me from thanking God. And even if I don't have breath, I'm still going to thank God because I'm with Jesus. That's even better. Amen. So thank God. Thank God. So, but what happens a lot of times is instead of being thankful, we complain. Maybe that's not you. That's just me. We complain. And the opposite, complaining is the opposite of thankfulness. Write that down. Complaining is the opposite of thankfulness. And I want to show you this. Uh, let's go to Numbers 14, 26. Numbers 14, 26. Y'all doing all right? And so I'm just going to give you a little bit of context for this. So this is the Israelites when they came out of Egypt. 
They were led out of Egypt by Moses and Aaron in the power of God. And most biblical scholars believe during this time there was over 2 million Israelites. 2 million. And so they're led out of the uh, out of slavery, out of Egypt, and they're in the wilderness, but the problem is they're complaining the whole time. The whole time. They're, they're really complaining towards Moses. They're complaining towards God. And God finally just gets fed up with it, and this is what he says in Numbers 14. <coughs> then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, how long must I put up with this wicked community and its complaints about me? Yes, I have heard the complaints the Israelites are making against me. Yes, I have heard the complaints the Israelites are making against me. Sometimes I think that we, just, we think God just hears our prayers. He doesn't hear anything else. Why do I think that? Because we'll do things like, Lord, I just pray for a man. I pray that he'll be sixfold. I pray that he has everything in between. God, I just pray for this man. I, I believe it's going to come. Lord, I thank you. And then you go over to your friend and be like, I'm just going to be single forever. There's no good man anywhere. I mean, God hears both of those things. Or we'll be like, oh, God, I just thank you for this business. This business is so blessed, God. I know what the profit and loss statement says, but, God, I thank you for this, this business. It's going to be a corporation. I just thank you, Lord. And you'll go to your friends and be like, I wish somebody would just burn that building down so I can collect the insurance money and move on with my life. But God hears both of those. God hears both of those. And so it says, I heard the complaints the Israelites are making against me. What were the complaints? They complained. And they, one of the, the last one that they said was, I wish I, we would just drop dead in the wilderness. I'm just tired. So dramatic. I wish we would just drop dead. I'm just tired. And so this is what God said. Now tell them this. As surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very things I heard you say. You will drop, you will all drop dead in this wilderness because you complained against me. And, and catch this. They weren't even complaining against God. They were complaining against Moses. But when you complain against Moses, when you complain about against your leader, you're actually complaining against God. I think somebody's like calling their boss, like, I'm sorry, like I didn't mean to do it. <laughs> like, you're complaining against the leader. And so, because you complain against me, every one of you who is 20 years old or older and was included in the registration will die. You will not enter and occupy the land I swore to give you. You will not enter and occupy the land that I promised you. You will not enter and occupy the land that I prophesied towards you. Doesn't matter how many prophecies you got, you won't enter it. The only exceptions will be Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, son of Nun. Why are they the only two exceptions? Because they're the only two people who didn't complain out of two million people. Two million people. All those people did not enter their promise because they were complaining. Because God heard what they were saying. Wow. And they were promised this land. This, this land was a land flowing with milk and honey, the land of Canaan. They were supposed to go to this land. Have you ever received a prophecy? Yes. A prophecy is just a word from God, whether from somebody or for some, from, from the Bible, whatever it is, it's a word from God. And it's a promise that God has given you. There are some promises that are yes and amen that, that you cannot be, cannot be taken from you. One of them is salvation. Salvation, if you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are saved when you go to heaven, when you die, like it, that's it. But there are some promises that need your participation. Yeah. 
There are some promises that need your participation. God's promise from heaven needs your participation on earth. God's promise from heaven needs your participation on earth. It doesn't matter how many prophecies you got. It doesn't matter how many words you got. If you're complaining about the situation that you're in, you're going the opposite direction of your promise. I know you're just venting. Okay, go ahead and vent. Vent your way off your purpose. Okay, y'all weren't feeling that over here. I'm just going to go over here. Vent your way off your purpose. Go and tell your friends and complain about your situation. But guess what? You are complaining your way in the opposite direction. Remember the verse that we read in the beginning. If giving thanks in all circumstances is God's will, complaining in our circumstances is the will of the enemy. If giving thanks in all circumstances is God's will, complaining in our circumstances is the will of the enemy. We are doing Satan's will whenever we complain. Are y'all getting this? Because it was convicting me. I don't know if it's convicting you, but it was convicting me. That's why James says that if we control our tongues, we could be perfect, literally perfect. Because he says the tongue is like the steering wheel of a ship, of a large ship, right? So it controls the direction of our life. We know the, the book of Proverbs says that the, on our tongue is the power of life and death, right? So everything that we say is controlling the direction of our life. Speak life, not death. Speak life, not death. Understand that your tongue is taking you where God wants you to go if you are being thankful. But if if you're complaining, it's taking you against that. So uh, one of the world's largest cargo ships earlier this year, I don't know if anybody heard this story, but there was a really large cargo ship that got stuck in the Suez Canal. They got stuck for six days. And so for six days, it affected $10 billion a day, $10 billion a day of trade. The reason it got stuck was because it was so large as as long as the Empire State Building. And so there was a storm, and that storm caused it to turn in the wrong direction. And they got some commands from pilots that were telling them to turn the the wrong way, and then they ended up getting stuck. And then it actually ended up causing uh, hundreds of ships behind them to get stuck because nobody could pass by them. And so it affected so many people. And I was just thinking about that, and I feel like the Lord is really speaking to me about that because some of us are listening to complaining voices around us. Some of us are listening to complaining voices around us. And I I need you to hear this. Complaining is contagious. Complaining is more contagious than COVID-19. And it's airborne too. Like, it, it's, it's so contagious. Get one thankful person and go into a room complaining people, guess what, in an hour you're going to be complaining too. It's just so contagious. It's so important that you have people around you that are not complaining, but they're speaking the will of God. You have people around you that no matter the situation, no matter the storm, I'm going to speak what God says and not what the enemy says. I'm going to look past my circumstances. I'm going to look at what heaven is saying. Can I get an amen? And so what was so crazy about this is it got stuck, but it was causing everybody else behind it to get stuck. And so whenever you're complaining, you're not just affecting your will and your purpose, you're affecting people behind you too. You're affecting your children, you're affecting your grandchildren, you're affecting your friends, all because you're complaining. You're going off of the course of and the will of, of God for your life. That's not only affecting you, that's affecting everybody behind you. Are you with me? And so I, I just, I had to make a decision. I had to make a decision, no matter what, I'm going to be thankful. That's right. So when the winds of life hit you, the only way to avoid 
being stuck is to control your tongue and start being thankful instead of complaining about the storm. So instead of complaining about the car wreck, thank God that you're alive. Instead of complaining that you feel stuck, thank God for his timing. Instead of complaining about the friends who left, thank God for the friends who stayed. Instead of complaining about not closing on the house, thank God for the house that you currently live in. You have to find a time and to find a reason to thank God instead of complaining. You can't stop me from being thankful. You cannot stop me from being thankful. I'll, I'll thank God in the morning. I'll thank God in the evening. I'll thank God if I'm sick. I'll thank God if I'm healthy. I'll thank God if everything's going right. I'll thank God if everything's going wrong. You cannot stop me from being thankful. It doesn't matter what's happening in my circumstances. It doesn't matter what's happening in my world. I will be thankful. If you're with me, why don't you give God a praise right now? Thank God. Thank God. Nobody's going to stop me from being thankful. And so another meaning of thankfulness in the Bible is giving thanks to God for something specific. And so this is when I think of a praise dance. Like some of y'all got a good praise dance where, you know, just it's a good one. Like you get that promotion and you just, woo! You know, you get a little praise dance in or you get a good report from the doctor. Like, woo! It went down, okay. Praise God. Some of you is something a little, little bit, you know, easier. Like, hey, football season's back, woo! You know, pumpkin spices back, whatever it is, whatever gets you hyped up, that gets you doing your praise dance, you can do your praise dance. That is the will of God. That's a good thing. We are supposed to thank God for what he's done for us. And if you're having trouble finding something to thank God for, thank God that you have breath. Thank God that you're in this room right now or watching online. Thank you, God, that you have a phone or a TV. Thank God that your bodily functions work. Thank God that you have a family. Thank God that you have friends. Thank God that you have a job. Whatever it is, find something to be thankful for because everybody has something to be thankful for. And if you can't find, thank, if you can't thank God for any of those things, thank God that he sent his only son to die on the cross for your sins. And three days later, he rose again and he's sitting at the right hand of God. And now you can have heaven after death and life on earth. Thank God. Thank God. You got to thank God for something. And some of you need to thank God for what he didn't do. Like, some of you need to thank God that you married Ray Ray and not Bubba. Like, like you see what happened, would have happened if you would have married him. Like, I mean, like some of you need to thank God because you didn't get the job. Because if you would have got the job, then you would have worked so hard and then you would have lost your family, but you would have had the job. Somebody needs to thank God that you didn't move to New York because you found your church family in Oklahoma. Yeah. There is a reason to thank God. We got to thank God for things he did and things he didn't do. Come on, are y'all with me? So we need to thank God for uh, things he did. Thank God for being God. Thank God for what he didn't do. But what I really want to focus on is thanking God for what he hasn't done yet. And so let's go to Matthew 14, 17. Matthew 14, 17. And so just to give a little context about this, this is um, in Matthew 14, John the Baptist is beheaded. And John the Baptist was the cousin of Jesus. He was very close to him. And Jesus heard that he was killed. And John the Baptist was just, was just killed just for telling the truth. So he was killed and, and Jesus 
you know, Jesus was a human. He was fully man. He was fully God. But that fully man part said, I need to be alone. And so he got in a boat to go to a solitary place to be by himself. But he always had a crowd following him. And so that crowd followed him on foot where he rode a boat to. So they walked a long distance to find Jesus. And Jesus looks at them, even though he's trying to be by himself, he has compassion on them and he heals the sick, right? And so he's with his disciples and the disciples are like, hey, we just sent all these people back. They need to get some food. And Jesus looks at them and is like, you feed them. And so this is where we pick it up. Matthew 14, 17 says, we have here only five loaves of bread and two fish. They answered, bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. And so uh, whenever the disciples said that they only had five loaves and two fish, um, it actually reminded me of these two widows in the Old Testament. One was in 1 Kings, one was in 2 Kings. And the ones in 1 Kings was with the prophet Elijah. And the, it was this widow, um, she was with the prophet Elijah, and the prophet Elijah asked her for some bread. And she said, I don't have any bread at all. All I have is a little flour and olive oil. And then there's another widow in 2 Kings with the prophet Elisha, where he asked her for something, what do you have? And she said, I don't have anything at all except a small jar of oil. Did you catch that? I don't have anything at all. All I have is. And so Jesus told the disciples to give the bread and fish to him. The principle is this, don't discount what you have. Don't discount the little bit that you have. Because when you give that little bit to Jesus, he can do a miracle with it. It doesn't matter what you don't have. All that matters is what you have. What you have is all you need. Some of you are saying, all I have is my high school diploma. Some of you are saying, all I have is my family. All I have is this small business. All I have is these writing skills. I don't know what to do with it. All you have is all you need. So then Jesus told the crowd to sit down. And so just think about this. These people walked to where he rode to. So they're tired, they're uncomfortable, and they're hungry. And Jesus told them to sit down. Sit down in your hunger. Sit down in your brokenness. Sit down in your <laughs> discomfort. Just sit down. Have you ever been to a restaurant and you're just super hungry? You're, you're to the point where you're hangry. And you're sitting down, you're waiting to be sat. And you see people who came in after you and they get sat down before you. And you're like, what? They just, they sat down before me. And somebody reasonable next to you is like, yeah, they only have two people. And we have 10 people in our party. No, it doesn't matter. I'm hungry. Like it's hard to sit down when you're hungry. But he told them to sit down. <laughs> and he told them to sit down and be patient. And then... Jesus looked at what they had and he looked up to heaven. He took what they had and he looked up to heaven. I take what I have in the natural and I look up to God to do something supernatural with it. 
I take what I have. I take that high school diploma. I take that high school diploma and I apply for the job anyways. I take that little business and I pray to God what you want me to do with it. I take my family and I pray over them. I believe that they're going to do God's will. I take what I have and I look up to heaven and I thank God for doing something supernatural with it. And so some of us are stuck on what we don't have because we're looking at what we have compared to everybody around us. Some of us are stuck on what we don't have because we're looking at what we have compared to everybody around us. I have two daughters at the moment, another baby on the way. I don't know if it's a girl or a boy yet. We'll, we'll see. But my daughter, hey. <laughs> um, <laughs> she says, speak it out. I'm thanking God for the boy, but I thank God for the girl too. Um, so Sophia is new. Sophia is um, three years old. Serenity is one, right? And so sometimes we give them two different meals, like because they can handle different types of food. Now, Serenity could look at Sophia's meal and be like, I want what she has. I don't want this plate. I want what she has. It looks better. I need to take that plate. But what she doesn't understand is Sophia is at a, a different maturity than she is. And so even though it looks good to her, she wouldn't be able to handle what Sophia has because she doesn't have the, the things that Sophia has. She hasn't been through the things that Sophia has been through. And so you can look at somebody else's situation and think, I want what they have. I deserve what they have. What that really is is entitlement. And that's why we, stop, that's why we start complaining, because we're entitled. We complain because we think we deserve something. We are actually complaining towards God when we're, when we're entitled. Because we're saying, God, you didn't give me what I deserve. That's what we're saying. That spirit of entitlement has to go. So Jesus gave thanks. He took what he had and he gave thanks. And here's my question. This is what I really want you to think about. Gave thanks for what? Why did he give thanks? All he had was five loaves and two fish to feed 5,000 people. That's like me having a Happy Meal, just one Happy Meal, and I'm expecting to feed everybody in this room, plus everybody online. Like, it, it sounds crazy. He gave thanks for what? But here's the thing the Holy Spirit said to me. Jesus wasn't giving God thanks for what God did. He was giving thanks for what God was about to do. In other words, he gave thanks for nothing. He gave thanks for nothing. And so Jesus understood the difference between facts and truth. Facts and truth. The fact was all they had was five loaves and two fish to feed 5,000 people. But the truth is, in the hands of Jesus, anything can be a miracle. And some of y'all need to catch this. The, acknowledge the facts, but declare the truth. Acknowledge the facts, but declare the truth. The fact is that you might be sick. The truth is God's a healer. The fact is you might be broke, busted, disgusted, don't have anything in your bank account, but the truth is God is your provider. The fact is that you are diagnosed with anxiety. The truth is Jesus is the Prince of Peace. The fact might be that you're clinically depressed, but the truth is the joy of the Lord is your strength. Some of you need to cast this principle, acknowledge the facts, but declare the truth. And I know the truth, the truth has a name and his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. Acknowledge the facts, but declare the truth. That doesn't matter what's happening in my situation, I'll acknowledge the facts. You might think I'm crazy, 
but I'm going to declare the truth. It may say that you have high blood pressure. This actually happened to me. They said that you have high blood pressure. It's going to be in your family. It's going to, you're going to have it. You're going to have it. This is what the doctor was telling me. I said, I acknowledge the facts. I look at this and I started declaring the truth. Ever since I've gone to the doctor since, I haven't had it. Acknowledge the facts, declare the truth. Declare the truth. I'm not ignoring the facts. I'm just declaring the truth. So Jesus broke the loaves and then he gave to the disciples and then he gave it to the crowd. Jesus broke the loaves and then gave it to the disciples and they gave it to the crowd. Why didn't Jesus let the crowd break the bread? Why didn't he give it to them to break? Just imagine, put yourself in the, in the, in the shoes of the crowd. If Jesus would have gave me a loaf of bread and there's only five of them to feed 5,000 people, I would have been like, I'm taking this loaf for myself and my family. God's a provider. He will provide for you. He provided for me. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like I I would have been stingy with it most likely. Uh, You might not have been, but that's just me. Because it doesn't make logical sense for me to break this and give to somebody else when I don't have enough for myself. But in the hands of Jesus, when we give it to Jesus, Jesus is in the business of multiplication. He's in the business of multiplication. Whenever you take the little that you have and you give it to Jesus, he'll multiply it. So when Jesus broke it, he gave back to them what they entrusted to him. So when you give your time, talents, and treasures to Jesus, he'll multiply it. He'll multiply it. We see that time and time again. We saw that with the the widows in the Old Testament. We see that with the 5,000. There's actually, in, in chapter 15... Almost the exact same miracle happened, except there was 4,000 people. Why did Jesus have to do the same miracle again? Because they forgot. Some of us forget the miracles that God did for us. How do I know that? Because we complain about them. We complain, we complain about our miracles. Some of you are sitting right next to your miracle, but you forgot it. This was somebody that you are praying for, that you are begging God for. Look, he's sitting, Pastor Cece, like, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> like, you, you prayed for it, you fasted for it. And look, you're complaining about it now. And so God has to do another miracle and another miracle and another miracle until you start believing. We forget about the miracles in our life. We forget about them. And so they all ate and were satisfied. And then the, Z, the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. And so I'll, I'm going to go ahead and ask them to bring up a table for me. I'm going to do an illustration here in just a second. And Chris, if you can come up as well. Um, so when you thought, what you thought was not enough was actually more than enough. They had 12 basketfuls. They didn't have enough before, but now they have more than enough. So when you have the faith to thank God in advance for what he's about to do, you welcome miracles into your life. Thank God in advance. Thank God for nothing. And so I want to do a little illustration. And um, I'm going to ask Chris to act like he works at the Gate Cafe. And so Chris doesn't serve in the Gate Cafe. He's actually our young adult director um, as well as he, he helps with Kingsgate and the parking lot and every, pretty much everything in this church he does except for the Gate Cafe. <laughs> but he's going to act like that today, right? Yes, sir. And so... Um, I usually make my coffee from home, but sometimes when I'm feeling bougie, you know, I like to go get me a little bougie coffee, <laughs> you know. And so I'll go to the Gate Cafe and I'll order me a white chocolate mocha with oat milk, mm. a white chocolate mocha with oat milk. And so I, 
I tell him, this is what I want, a white chocolate mocha with oat milk. And, and I, I give him the money, but I need you to, to catch this. Um, Jesus has already paid for everything that you need. He's paid for everything. He's paid for your sins. He's paid, paid for uh, your brokenness. He's paid for your salvation. He's paid for your, your blessings. He's paid for everything that you need. He's already paid for it. But I'll, I'll pay him for the coffee. And then I thank him for it. I say thank you. I'm thanking them for something I haven't received yet. I'm thanking them for something I haven't received yet. I haven't received the coffee yet, but I'm still thanking him. Why am I thanking him? Because I know he's good for it. I can't see him making the coffee. I can't, I don't know what he's doing, but I know the coffee's coming. I'm thanking him for the coffee. And sometimes I'm even so thankful that I'll give him a tip. In other words, I give him an offering. I'll give God an offering a praise offering, a monetary offering. I'll give him for an offering for something that I haven't even received yet. I know it's coming. I know he's working behind me, but I give him an offering in advance because I know it's coming. I know it's coming. He's working behind the scenes. I know it's coming. I have so much faith that he's, that he's coming. I'm going to give him a tip. Come on. And then I eventually get what God received, has given me. But I've already thanked God for it. I've already thanked God for it. And some of you, thank you, Chris. Some of you need to, you need to catch this. You have to thank God for nothing. Thank God for nothing. It doesn't matter if you haven't received it yet. And the praise team can go ahead and come up. I'm going I'm to close here in a second. The praise team, um, I'm asking them, I'll call them the praise team because we're actually going to praise our way out. You can thank God for nothing. Some of you have been praying for things that you haven't received yet. It could be your, your son coming back to faith. It could be a house. It could be your health. And you've been praying and praying and praying. But I need you to cast this principle. You have to start thanking God in advance for what he hasn't done yet. You have to thank God for nothing. Thank God for nothing. And so I want to, to, to leave you with some application points. So I like to make it practical, right? How do we thank God for nothing? How do we have an attitude of gratitude? Number one, don't forget. Don't forget. We were, we were reading uh, Psalms 103 for many weeks in a row. And in Psalms 103, 2, it says, praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. We start complaining because we forget. We start complaining because we forget. Praise God and thank God and don't forget what he's done for you. That's simply what it's saying. Praise God and thank God and don't forget what he's done for you. Everybody has something to be thankful for. And so gratitude is just when you are continually thankful. It's when you're continually thankful. It's just a habit. I'm going to be thankful no matter what. You cannot stop me from being thankful. I'm going to have an attitude of gratitude. It doesn't matter what the enemy throws at me, I'm going to be thankful. So don't forget. Don't forget. And number two, let your actions speak. Let your actions speak. Gratitude does not only encompass your words, it also includes your feelings and actions. So when somebody is grateful towards me, I can feel it. I can feel it. Because I'm grateful, I won't complain. Because I'm grateful, I'm going to take care of what he's given me. I could, give, I could give you a car, 
and you say thank you to me. But then you get in that car and you start driving recklessly and you start spilling drinks all over the car and you don't wash it. You might have thanked me for it, but you're not being grateful for it. An attitude of gratitude is continual thankfulness. Continual thankfulness. And so one of the ways that we can show our gratitude is thanksgiving and praise. Thankfulness and praise. We can praise God for what he hasn't done yet. And so I know that we normally leave service in an atmosphere of worship. But today, I thought it was important that we leave service in an atmosphere of praise and thanks. And so before I do that, I'm just going to ask everybody to stand. I want to give the opportunity to people in here who have not received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Maybe you've been listening to this message and maybe you've never heard the message of Jesus before. Maybe you have heard it before and it's never really resonated like it has tonight or this morning. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you. And so I want to give you a chance to dedicate your life to God, to follow Jesus, to receive him in your heart. Or maybe you need to rededicate your life. And then there's another prayer I want to do for people who maybe you feel like you've just been complaining, 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 and you want to repent. Remember, whenever you're complaining, you're letting your tongue steer you in the direction off of the will of God. So you, when you repent, you're literally turning a different direction. And I'm saying I'm going to be thankful. And so I want to pray for those people too. And so if you're the first group, if you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'm going to count to three and I'm going to ask you to, to raise your hand. One, this is the best decision that you have ever made in your life. It will change you and your family. Two, you will never be the same after today. You will never be the same after today. Three, just lift your hands up right now if you'd like to be safe. Praise God. Praise God. I see you. 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 Praise God. Just everybody in the room, just repeat this prayer after me. Lord God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I believe that you rose from the grave. And I believe that you sit at the right hand of the Father. You said in your word that if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, then you shall be saved. So that's what I'm doing. I confess it with my mouth and I believe it in my heart. Jesus, you are Lord. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for transforming my life. I will never be the same. Let me pray for you. God, I just thank you so much for the people who made that decision for the first time today. I thank you, God, that their life will never be the same, that they're going to be transformed continually every single day. They're going to see you and new faces of you every single morning that they wake up, Lord. I pray, God, that they are going to be telling their friends, they're going to tell their family about the decision that they made today, God, and they're going to wonder what's different about these people. And they're just going to say, I accepted Jesus in my heart. Thank you, Lord, for the decision that they made today. And I want to pray for some other people. I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm just going to pray for you. 
that maybe you've been listening to this message and you've been convicted because you've been complaining and complaining. You've been complaining about your husband, you complain about your wife, you complain about your job, you complain about your house, you complain about your car, you complain about your life. First, I wanna encourage you, look at who's around you. Look at who's around you. If people are complaining around you, you might need to find a different group of people to start hanging out with. But I want you to know that if you repent today, God will put you right back on track. Jesus paid for everything. He'll put you right back on track. So I wanna pray for you today. Lord, I just pray for everybody today who's repenting of complaining, who wants to be thankful, who wants to have an attitude of gratitude. I thank you, Lord, that you have already died for our sins and you've rose to the grave and you are a high priest. And because you are a high priest, we can talk to God directly. We don't have to make any sacrifices. We don't have to do anything special. We just have to say, Lord, I repent and I'm turning in a different direction. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving us. Thank you, Lord, for saving us. Today is a new day and I'm starting on the path that you have for us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen, amen. Can we give God some praise? And so I asked the praise team to sing a song today that says, I thank God. I thank God. And I want you to think about the things that you haven't received yet. Think about the things that you're praying for. Think about the things that you haven't seen yet that you're believing for. And I want you to thank God like you never had before. Thank God for the things you haven't seen yet. Thank God for nothing. Let's go. Wandering into the night, wanting your place to hide his screwed soul. His vagabond, yeah. And I tried with all my mind, but I just can't win the fight. I'm slowly tripping. A bag of mine, And just when I ran out of road, I met a man I didn't know. And he told me that I am not alone. He picked me up, he turned me around, he placed my feet on solid ground. I thank the master. I thank the Savior because He healed my heart. He healed my heart. He changed my name. I'm not the same. I thank the Master. I thank the Savior. Oh, I thank God. Jesus, we bless you. And I cannot deny what I see. I've got no choice but to believe. My doubts are burning. Like ashes in the wind. Come on, let's do it together. Everybody wave goodbye. Say, so, so long to my old friends. Yes, Lord. Burdens and bitterness, you can't just keep it moving. No, you're not welcome here. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. So from now till I'll walk the streets of gold, I'll sing of how you saved my soul. This wayward son has found his way back home. He picked me up, turned me around, turned me around, placed my feet.
Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior for the first time today. We have a, a book and a Bible for you over here, right over here on my right, your left. I want you to come and get that and start reading your word because your life is going to start changing today in Jesus' name. <laughs> 